For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where a sight for sore eyes, more like a sight for more eyes in his veins, because D'Lo is back as a Laker, and it's like he never left. And it also kind of feels like it was meant to be. Now, the question is, is D'Angelo Russell here to stay, or will the Lakers just de-offload him for another star this offseason. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and today I am joined by no one. I'm going to take this podcast solo and specifically talk about D'Angelo Russell's return and what the future may hold for him and the Lakers, who are currently 27 and 32, heading into All-Star break, coming off of a spirited and fun wire-to-wire win against the New Orleans Pelicans. So yeah, I'm going to talk about D'Angelo Russell and what the future may hold for him and the Lakers. And when I say the future, I'm talking more about the macro future as it pertains to his next contract with the Lakers and less about the Lakers' post-All-Star break push to the playoffs. We will get to that type of discussion when Tommy and Allen are available. Now, I know there's a lot to talk about and dissect as it pertains to the Lakers' new slew of players. And each one of them, honestly, from D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, especially, Mo Bamba, and even Davon Reed, all of them have had their fair share of moments in just the three games we've seen them play in. But I'm going to reserve those thoughts and player breakdowns again for when Tommy and Allen are available so we can all dig into the player profile fun in a more engaging back and forth sort of way. So... For today's podcast, I'm going to talk about one, a summary of what we've seen from D'Angelo Russell so far, and then two, the main portion of this episode will focus on what retaining D'Angelo Russell this summer could look like and the type of contract I could see him commanding. Uh, I'm mainly going to talk about this because I've been seeing a lot of wild, low-ball numbers being thrown out by people on Twitter, and I'm just here to adjust the sliders a little bit to the middle, back to a more realistic expectation, while also helping assuage people's concerns towards the sticker shock price tag that may come with D'Angelo Russell's re-signing. So yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today, but first I wanted to talk about D'Angelo Russell's return as a Laker and the first three games we've seen of him. First off, I mean... How poetic and amazing was it to see D'Angelo have such a huge impact 
on the Pelicans' win at home, his return home opener as a Laker, and for him to hit that transition three that blew the game wide open in the third quarter, to see him turn around, rile the crowd up while smacking his Lakers jersey repeatedly and screaming, like I never left. I mean, that moment and that type of stuff is just so infectious. And as a Lakers fan who's had to endure the futile limboness of the last two seasons, that is the exact type of remedy and cathartic litness that I needed to see from D'Angelo Russell heading into All-Star break. I just loved seeing the passion that he showed on the court and his passion for, you know, being back in the purple and gold. So let's talk more about D'Angelo Russell and some of the statistics that accompany him in these first three games with the Lakers. So through three games with the Lakers, D'Angelo Russell is currently averaging 17.3 points, 3.3 rebounds, 5.7 assists on 45% from the field, 37% from three, hitting two threes a game. Now, the most impressive part about all this is he's only averaging 1.7 turnovers. Previously with the Timberwolves this season, he was averaging 2.7 turnovers. And he's actually not too far away from his season averages of 18 points, 6 assists. Now, when it comes to net rating, of players who are in the regular rotation for the Lakers, D'Angelo Russell currently leads the Lakers in total net rating with an absurd number of 11.0. The next highest rated player is Malik Beasley at 3.6, followed by LeBron James at 3.1, and Anthony Davis at 2.1. Obviously, very small sample size. There's a lot of noise there with all of the different unit shufflings, but D'Angelo having a high net rating impact alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and Anthony Davis in particular, his 11.0 net rating matches the eye test thus far with regards to he's doing good stuff out there. Now, if we look at some lineup data, when it comes to three-man lineups, The three-man lineup of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Anthony Davis currently has the fourth highest net rating of any three-man lineup the Lakers have trotted out there this season. That three-man lineup of D'Lo, Beasley, and AD has a net rating of 29.6. If you're wondering, the number one three-man lineup the Lakers have trotted out there this season belongs to a LeBron James, Austin Reeves, and Max Christie lineup, in case you were wondering. So there's that. Now, when it comes to five-man lineups, the starting lineup that we saw from the New Orleans Pelicans game of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, that lineup had a 134.6 offensive rating and a 100 defensive rating for a total net rating of 34.6, which would already put that lineup in the Lakers' top six five-man units that have played at least 12 minutes with each other for the entire year. So that starting unit is already in the top six best five-man units for the Lakers this year. So pretty incredible stuff. Now, to touch upon D'Angelo Russell's gameplay in general, he has just seamlessly fit in like a glove alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and it's been very blatant and apparent to see. Whether it's been initiating the offense and taking some on-ball primary creation duties off of LeBron James' hands, and spamming that pick and roll with Anthony Davis, or whether it's him playing off ball, cutting, and relocating on the perimeter for LeBron James or Anthony Davis to find him, or whether it's pushing the ball in transition in a very controlled manner. 
D'Angelo Russell's ability to chameleon his way into whatever the current unit out there needs from him has been invaluable. We are finally playing basketball in the modern NBA with intuitive spacing and high IQ slash skilled guard play thanks to D'Angelo Russell. And this season version of D'Angelo has been exactly what we needed. Um, D'Angelo has been playing with tremendous pace. He's been navigating the mid-range and paint area with this cool, calm collectedness that we haven't seen from him with much consistency since last we saw him. His basketball IQ is miles better than what we saw from him his first two or three years as a Laker. And you simply can't speed D'Angelo Russell up anymore. The game has seemingly slowed down for him. Defenders can't bother him. Outside of the unorthodox underhanded shovel passes to LeBron James in transition for the pull-up mid-range J, or the no-look one-handed lob to Anthony Davis, or the sprinting lob he threw to LeBron James where LeBron James was coming down the baseline, outside of all those incredible plays, there are actually two plays that, for me, exemplify just how much the game has slowed down for D'Angelo Russell. The first one is the end of the half play he had during the Golden State Warriors game where the shot clock was winding down, he had the ball in his hands, but he was like idly dribbling the ball six to ten feet behind the three-point line on the right wing. And at the time he was doing it, I was wondering what the hell was going on because time was running out and it didn't seem like the play was unraveling. Well, apparently what he was doing was he was just waiting till the very last second for Vanderbilt to flare out and cut to the basket after which D'Angelo flung a perfect pass to him for the layup attempt. Now, as you all know, Vanderbilt didn't end up hitting that layup, but D'Angelo and Vanderbilt, through that entire sequence, had the entire Warriors team confused. And I thought it was just such a smart, high IQ play that showcased D'Angelo Russell's patience and tremendous vision and timing. Again, maybe he could have gone a little bit earlier so that Jared Vanderbilt wouldn't have been so rushed on that layup. But all in all, that just showed to me how much D'Angelo has grown from the erratic, spastic point guard that we remember of him as a rookie. Now, the second play that I really want to highlight of D'Angelo Russell's uh, would be one that I think most people would find boring, but it's a play that he had in the New Orleans Pelicans game where He was snaking through the pick and roll in the mid-range, and he just nonchalantly rises up for a pump fake. He lets the defender bite, and then he tippy-toe sinks the mid-range J in the defender's face after he had already gone flat-footed. And that, to me, sort of exemplified how under control and savvy D'Angelo Russell has become. He can get that mid-range jumper anytime, regardless of whether or not the defender is draped on him. And if the defender is draped on him, he could probably get the foul call as well. So what a luxury it has been to have someone that you can just throw the ball to who can calmly get to his spot like that whenever he wants. So yeah, overall, I've been really impressed by D'Angelo Russell's return. To this point, we haven't even yet gotten the flaming hot D'Angelo Russell where he gets into an absolute zone from the three-point line, you know, where he can fill it up in bunches and get, you know, five threes in one half, and by the end of the game, D'Angelo Russell has hit eight threes. I mean, he's had these types of blow-it-up, simply-on-fire 
barn burner sorts of games, even with the Timberwolves this season, where he he alone, through his hot three-point shooting, can win the team the game. And so I'm looking forward to even seeing D'Angelo Russell take some heat check threes that, you know, really blow a game open. So even without that, the stability and control that D'Angelo Russell has displayed in his first three games with the Lakers has been simply incredible. And as you all know, as Lakers Legacy Podcast aficionados, for those of you who have been with us since day one, championing D'Angelo Russell and putting into context his rough one or two first years, to me, this is just, this is the type of redemption story that I live for. With that said, that'll do it for my quick D'Angelo Russell dissection. Why don't we take it to break here, and when we return, I'll dive into what D'Angelo Russell's next contract with the Lakers could look like, and whether or not we should be a bit wary about it. So, I will catch you guys after the turn. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, so we are back. And for the second half of this show, let's talk about what D'Angelo Russell's next contract could look like. Off the bat, if we're talking about signing D'Angelo Russell to an extension before he even hits free agency, just know that the Lakers will be limited to extending him to a max of just two years. Now, if both parties can't come to an extension agreement before free agency, both parties can obviously wait till July, till free agency hits, where the Lakers will maintain his bird rights and cap hold, and by that time, the Lakers can then sign him to a longer deal at, you know, the max he can command. But yes, if they want to secure him now and make sure he doesn't even hit free agency, they'll have to do it before July, and since they can only give D'Angelo a max of two years, i.e. he'll have less security, long-term security in years, they're likely going to have to pay up more for that shorter-term deal. So right now, in this season, D'Angelo Russell is currently making $31 million. It should be noted that, again, he is having a career season shooting-wise from all aspects. Field goal percentage, three-point percentage, catch-and-shoot percentage, etc., etc. Contract year stuff, right? Provided he maintains that pace and proves to be a driving force to why the Lakers make the play-in or make the playoffs, I expect D'Angelo Russell's next contract to hover around that $31 million mark. Now, I know that might shock a lot of people, and while that $31 million mark sounds quite steep and jarring in price, I think if folks take a step back, gain a little bit of perspective, and look at the upcoming cap landscape of the entire league, that number may shock you a little bit less. First off, the salary cap is going to continue to jump year by year. Just this next summer, the non-taxpayer MLE is going to start at $11 million next year. And I've been seeing people throw out some ludicrous numbers for D'Angelo Russell saying they want him back at $18 to $22 million. That's fair value for D'Angelo Russell. And let me just tell you guys, that's not going to happen. There's there's no way I I see D'Angelo Russell agreeing to sign for $22 million for the next two years. 
the dude just made $31 million this year and his play hasn't dropped off. In fact, again, as I stated, he's averaging career high numbers percentage wise from every area of the court. So you're not going to give him less than what he just earned unless he absolutely falls off a cliff to close this season and has like a Dennis Schroeder 0.0 for 9 performance in the playoffs if we're lucky enough to get there. But anyways, that's one thing. And even if you don't believe that D'Angelo Russell has been worth the 28 to $31 million he's been making the last two to three years, well, again, the salary cap continually spiking year by year is actually going to help level things out. And with the MLE set at $11 million next year, D'Angelo Russell's $31 million he's making this year if you account for inflation, is really more like a $22 million contract in the previous prism of NBA max contracts. Also keep in mind, D'Angelo Russell is eligible to make the $40 million max in the first year of his next contract for players with at least seven to nine years of experience. So to get D'Angelo Russell back at $31 million would actually be $9 million below his max rate. And for me, I think that's actually fair value. The other thing we have to factor is you just want to do right by your players if you're the Lakers. And you don't want to necessarily engender negative feelings during these extension negotiation stages with D'Angelo Russell and his agent. Because as we saw with what happened with the Brooklyn Nets and Kyrie Irving, if you disrespect the player... He may just walk from you, regardless of whether or not he'll he'll get less money on the open market. He may be able to get more years than the two-year extension that you're um, able to give him. Furthermore, the biggest sticking point, though, in extension negotiations to keep in mind is D'Angelo Russell's agent is still Aaron Mintz. And if you know anything about Aaron Mintz and Rob Palinka, these two have had a very prickly relationship, especially as it pertains to Rob Palinka's, you know, past occupation as an NBA agent as well. So if you think you're going to lowball D'Angelo Russell and Aaron Mintz during contract extension talks and convince them to sign for two years, $50 million at an average year salary of $25 million, well, think again. Uh, You may as well just let D'Angelo Russell walk. So laying all that context onto the table, what do I think D'Angelo Russell is going to command in a two-year extension that, by the way, should line up with Anthony Davis and LeBron James contracts? Well, I think, like I hinted at before, because I said that the $31 million he's making now is fair value, I think he'll likely make at least that same amount And in total, I think D'Angelo Russell could command $62 to $65 million over two years. He may even get possibly $70 million over two years with an average annual salary of $35 million because people like those uh, whole numbers. And while I know that $70 million over two years and $35 million per, while I know that sounds like crazy-ass money, Again, if you take into account everything that I've laid out, it's really not. And like I previously mentioned, that's not even the max D'Angelo Russell can command in his first year uh, if he's getting max money. And again, $35 million is like the NBA's new $25 million. 
you have to remember that you're paying a bit of a premium for these next two years by keeping him on a short-term deal versus, say, if we wait till free agency, he might want a three- to four-year deal worth, you know, 28 to $30 million each year where you commit to him for four years. I actually think committing to him for just two years and giving him more money up front is probably the better way to go versus committing to him for four years, you know? So I'd actually rather pay him more up front to lock him in now to a shorter deal and not have to worry about free agency negotiations and him talking to other teams, et cetera, et cetera. So knowing that a two-year extension for D'Angelo Russell would line him up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, paying him 65 to $70 million in the next two years is something I'm totally fine with. Furthermore, another thing to keep into account is If we're just looking at D'Angelo Russell as a trade asset, the Lakers may actually want to give him a pretty sizable deal so that they can then swing him in a trade for a future star without having to add too many additional pieces besides, you know, a first round pick or other draft capital to that package. Because if you only sign him to a $25 million deal, you may then have to tack on a Mo Bamba, a Malik Beasley, a Jared Vanderbilt on top of the draft capital that you're already putting forth in order to get a Damian Lillard type player who's going to be making like 47 to $50 million or insert X star, Zach Levine, et cetera, et cetera. But if you already have D'Angelo Russell at a cost controlled 32 to $35 million contract, you're in a better spot to just use him as the main player going out along with any draft capital to get back one of these all-star type players. So I actually don't think having D'Angelo Russell on at 32 to $35 million the next year, the next two years, is a death knell sort of deal, even if you think that's a slight bit of overpayment. Keep in mind, Russell Westbrook was just making $47 million. That's $15 million more than what D'Angelo Russell would presumably make in year one of his next deal. And that's given the fact that D'Angelo Russell is already a player who instantly fits like a glove with what the Lakers want to do, and even fits what other teams want to do as well if if the Lakers were to shop him around. Now, to put things into further perspective, if you look at other guards in the same vein and category as D'Angelo Russell, that $32, $35 million two-year extension that I'm proposing looks less and less wild. So, for example... De'Aaron Fox is making around $32 million per year currently. Now, is De'Aaron Fox a better player than D'Angelo Russell? Probably, but again, you want to engender good vibes, good lit vibes with your own players and keep them on and make sure to play nice. So giving him that extra money, you know, maybe a bump to $35 million is not the end of the world. So De'Aaron Fox is making around $32 million a year. Jordan Poole is making around $32 million a year. And... From my perspective, I think D'Angelo Russell is arguably a better player than Jordan Poole. Surely less erratic at this stage. In fact, Jordan Poole kind of reminds me of, you know, like year four D'Angelo Russell when he was playing with the Brooklyn Nets, even though I know that's the year that he got the all-star replacement nod. But anyways, Jordan Poole is making around $32 million a year. Tyler Hero is making around $30 million a year. I 100% believe that D'Angelo Russell is a better player than Tyler Hero. And so if you look at these guards who are making around 30 to $32 million, I mean, D'Angelo Russell should command that type of money. Even if we're looking at lower-end guards like a Terry Rozier, Terry Rozier is making $24 million a year next year. 
If if Rozier is going to make $24 million a year next year, there is no way D'Angelo Russell is going to sign an extension for a similar number for just two years. Now look, if D'Angelo Russell's willing to sign for $25 million to $28 million a year, then all power to him, I love the discount. I just don't see it happening, and I just wouldn't expect that to happen. So the numbers that Lakers fans, that some Lakers fans are throwing out there of 18 to $22 million are simply unrealistic and honestly just disrespectful to D'Angelo Russell and his agent. Now, maybe I could see D'Angelo Russell giving the Lakers some sort of hometown good lit vibes discount of around $28 million for two years so that the entirety of that contract would look like 57 to $60 million over two, but that's about it. Otherwise, I'm totally fine with giving D'Angelo Russell an extension in the 60 to $70 million over two years range. Because the alternative of poisoning the well with him and his agent and making him so disgruntled that he walks to another team this summer for longer years, that's worse than any worst case scenario that you can think of. Because even if you're slightly overpaying D'Angelo Russell these next two years, at the very least, you retain the asset by locking him up to a tradable contract. And I guess that's really all I wanted to say and really all I wanted to point out with regards to what D'Angelo Russell's future could look like. Because he already fits like a glove. We've already seen the potential here. And we shouldn't get cute with this. And just because we haven't seen these numbers, the jarring $35 million numbers attached to sort of middling all-star types like D'Angelo Russell doesn't mean we should forget the surrounding context of what's happening in the league, the salary cap, the spike numbers, and what other similar types of players like D'Angelo Russell are currently making. So yeah, that's all I wanted to point out to help further the discussion on what D'Angelo Russell's future with the Lakers could look like because this is a partnership that I want to extend for as long as possible and I know a lot of Lakers fans again are going to freak out at these initial estimations and I'm just here to tell you don't freak out it's totally okay now if we're giving D'Angelo Russell his max contract of like 40 to 42 million dollars over these next two years that's when it can get a little bit dicey but again it's not my money it's not our money I think we're just so scarred from the DN from the sorry. I think we're just so scarred from the Russell Westbrook experience of being so unable to move his $47 million contract and having to attach actual draft capital to his contract to offload him that I think it's seeping into the next contract that D'Angelo Russell could make. And I just want to remind people they are two entirely different players. D'Angelo Russell is always tradable unless some, you know. God forbid some crazy injury happens to him. But yes, don't be too afraid by some of the projections that you see of what D'Angelo Russell's contract may look like with the Lakers. Because from my perspective, $70 million over the next two years just to get our core set and not have to worry about D'Angelo Russell testing the free agency market. I think it's worth it to do that. I think it's worth it to build now and to build with this core group of D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, Jared Vanderbilt, etc., etc. Maybe you move some pieces here and there, but for now, first things first, let's lock D'Angelo Russell up to an extension and keep the lit, ice-in-my-veins stuff going. Because like D'Angelo Russell said, it's like he never left. And, well... 
let's keep it that way, shall we? All right, with that said, I've babbled on long enough. Hope you guys are having a great all-star weekend, all-star break. We will catch you guys on the tail end of next week. Hopefully, I'll have Tommy or Alan on to just discuss the all of the new guys play because we haven't yet been able to talk about what we've seen from them on the court. So look forward to that. And um, and yeah, we're looking forward to the stretch run by this new look Lakers team because it should be at the very least fun and exciting. So buckle up. Anyways, we'll catch you guys next time. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. And please remember to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. And if you can't do that, then please just go to Spotify, search our page up, and click that five-star dial at the top left of our Spotify page. And that would help us out greatly. All right, with that said, we will catch you guys after All-Star Weekend, All-Star Break. And yeah, ice in our veins. Talk to you later. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.